0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: Okay, if you can open up your Bibles to the Song of Solomon, chapter 7. The title of tonight's message is, The Love of Many Will Grow Cold. The love of many will grow cold. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, it says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And you and I are living during this time. I mean, it's happened throughout history but I think we see it magnified in 2020 with everything that's going on, not just in our world, but in our country, in our states, in our families, and it's even crept into the churches. A lot of good people are trying to bring unity, but the Lord God is allowing man's ways to take place and for godliness and lawlessness to bring division among people groups, so the line is clearly drawn who you belong to. The rapture is imminent, and that will clearly distinguish whose are his. I heard a a couple of stories of Christians, born-again believers in Iran. Probably none that we'll meet until we're in heaven with them. There's a story of uh, uh, 28 families that paid a great price. They were part of the underground church in Iran, not only meeting underground, but also bringing Bibles to people who didn't have Bibles. Well, they were caught, and 28 families were killed, they were executed. And this is just recently. This was in the last few weeks. Yet Christians in our country are staying away from churches. They're staying away from home groups. Because they fear something called the coronavirus. Where the average death rate is an 80-year-old. The average death rate is 80 years old. And this has happened universally. The mosques in Iran are emptying. There are less and less people going to the mosque because they are joining the underground church. There was a prophecy conference held within the last year in the United States, but it was broadcast over in Iran. And there was a high school principal who opened up his school for the Prophecy Conference. It wasn't advertised. It was in secret. 325 people came from all different parts of Iran. They traveled to get there. 325. And then when the conference was over, they scattered. They just went back to their homes. I remember years ago, I was in Israel, and we went to Jericho. And we were right in the region where they believed that Jesus was led into the desert by Satan for the temptation. And every morning around, not every morning, I'm sorry, every Saturday morning around 7 a.m. The women, Muslim women who had received Christ, would travel to this center to have a Bible study from like 7 to 8.30, 7 to 9.00. And they would go back home before their families woke up. They were willing to go that extra mile. As I said, the title of tonight's message is The Love of Many Will Grow Cold. And the thing that we are concerned with is our individual love, your personal love of the Savior, and our collective love as the body of Christ. In the last seven verses of chapter 5 in the Song of Solomon, the bride starts to describe her husband's qualities. Why her husband cannot be compared to any other. Then in chapter 6, verses 4 to 10, the husband describes the love he has for his bride and the qualities that make her unique unlike anyone else. In verse 13, the bride asks her lover, her husband, what do you see in me? As we go into chapter 7 tonight, the husband continues with his description of the qualities of his bride. Remember, you and I are the bride of Christ. We are represented here in the Song of Solomon as a Shulamite woman. He's describing the qualities he desires in you and me. He's describing the qualities that he develops in you and me. Remember, he's the author and perfector of our faith. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. You and I are not the author or the perfecter of our faith. Only God is. He knows where he wants to bring us. He knows where we, what we have to go through in that valley of the shadow of death to bring us to that place where we can have sweet fellowship with him. But some of you know that even in the dark times, you have sweet fellowship with him. That's awesome. It's who we are to be as the bride of the king, as the sheep of the shepherd. As the love of the world grows colder... As it's prophesied in the scriptures, it's going to grow colder. Our love towards the Lord should be getting hotter and hotter. So others will be attracted by that warmth. This chapter that we're going into tonight will talk about those qualities and features that God is working in us and desires of us. Let's take a look at verse 1 of chapter 7. How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince's daughter. Does it ring a bell with the armor of God? The quality here is the gospel of peace to bring good news to the lost, to evangelize. You see, God's desire, the quality that he wants in you and me, is an evangelistic spirit that we're willing to go into the world to preach the gospel. And within this last week, we've seen Pastor Joe on CCOB with Ray Dash and Pastor Lloyd and another pastor from CCOB trying to bring peace through Christ to a craziness that's going on in our country and throughout the world. The race riots and other things that are in there, anti Semitism, things that are contrary to God and His purpose. Remember, they will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ by our love for the lost. Remember, your royalty, you have overcome obstacles, your feet have taken you through the valley of the shadow of death. As the Lord brings us to higher places, he has prepared the way that we may be refreshed and strengthened on this journey until we meet him face to face. As we look at the next next part of that verse, the curves of your thighs are like jewels. Jewels. Another breakdown of the word thigh is side, loins, base. Reminds me as a coach of the core strength, everything in the center. You know, if you have a core strength, your legs are strong. Your walk is consistent with your talk. You are precious. You are graceful. In the olden days, or even now, if they wear swords, it's worn on the side of their thigh. Well, you and I carry God's word. We've hidden it in our heart. We're ready to use it on the battlefield of life. Wherever you go, you should have your sword with you. You never leave your sword behind. It's your base. It's your core strength. Next part of that verse, the last part of verse 1, the work of the hands of a skillful workman. Another way to say that is the work of the hands of an expert workman. Remember, God is the potter. You are the clay. We as believers in Jesus Christ, when we said, you are my Lord God, We are saying to Jesus, Lord, you have our permission to mold us, to break us, to shape us, to heal us, to fill us and make us new creatures in you. We're his workmanship. You and I were pieces of work when Jesus found us. Now you're his masterpiece. God doesn't make junk. He has prepared us for end-time ministry. Think about that. For such a time as this, he's prepared you and me to make an impact before he takes the church, takes his bride to heaven. How important is that? How crucial is that for you and I to understand as king's kids? Verse 2, your navel is a rounded goblet. Think of a goblet. It holds a drink. It holds something that is refreshing or soothing. It's comforting. You and I are filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as we came to Christ and made him our Lord and our Savior. We're filled with the spirit that never runs dry. We're overflowing. We we never fail to satisfy when we're in the spirit. When we come in contact with each other or with the unbelieving, we're there to refresh them, to bless them. The next part is verse 2 it lacks no blended beverage. Speaks of balance. When you blend things together, there's a balance. You don't want one thing to be too strong, to overpower. It's going to be a balance. You know, you contain all you need for godliness when you became a believer in Jesus Christ. In James chapter 1, verse 4, it says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing and it's always a comfort to me and hopefully to you to know that jesus is that author and perfecter of your faith he's the one bringing about all of this in 2 peter chapter 1 verse 3 it says as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him Who called us by glory and virtue don't ever forget that you were called by Jesus Christ you were called you were selected you were chosen to know God and to make him known and in these days how important is it how crucial is it that Jesus Christ is known by the whole world the whole world I think when I was teaching Psalm 23, I kept saying that one verse. We've came into this world with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing except Jesus Christ. There's nothing else we can take with us. Next part of chapter, uh, verse 2. Your waste is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Another translation of waste or another meaning of waste is belly. This talks about a harvest, a soul fertile, full of life. You think of a pregnant woman, full of life. You and I are should be pregnant with the things of God, ready to pass them on to others, to birth others into the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, to touch the lost and bring them to that new birth we're full of living water think about that living water given to us by the Holy Spirit that never runs dry we're giving them Jesus you think of wheat and in the old days they took the wheat they ground it up they made bread well who's our bread Jesus is the bread of life he's our nutrition Bethlehem house of bread remember spiritual nutrition is more important than physical nutrition. Set about with lilies is the other part of that line. And this talks about purity and cleanliness. You're touched by God. He's making you pure. He's cleaning you up. It's an ongoing process. We're not where he wants us to be, but he will bring us there. Verse three, your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. You keep people close to your heart. People mean something to you. The saved as well as the lost. You bring others to the place of nutrition and nourishment. You pray for them. You have a Bible study with them. You talk scriptures to them. You invite them to church or a home group. You impart the pure milk of God's word to others. Think about that. You give them God's word. Verse four, your neck is like an ivory tower. Think of a tower, especially in the old days or even now. It's protection. It's, it, there's greater visibility. It can be a beacon. You Think of a lighthouse. Well, one of the qualities God is building into you is he's making you like that tower. People cling to you. You bring them to the one who protects them, Jesus Christ. You show them the things that are on the horizon through God's word. You stand tall and are upright. You're a shining light. Don't let the world, politicians, newspapers, say that you're not essential. You're the most essential thing that God has put on this earth. People of God, men and women, boys and girls of God, you're the most essential thing that can be placed in front of another person. That's That's incredible. You stand tall and upright. You're a child of God. People are attracted to you. They might criticize you. They might mock you. But maybe when somebody's sick or they need something spiritually, they come to you and ask you to pray for them. Or they ask you questions maybe about the things that are going on in the world. God is using us. He will continue to use us. Until our time on this earth is up. Next part of that verse. Your eyes like the pools in Heshbon by the gate of Bath Rabim. Another word for Heshbon is stronghold. Clean, refreshing, transparent, beautiful springs in this area. This area is now in the Jordan. It's in the uh, Jordan, country of Jordan. The name Heshbon not only means stronghold, but it means he that hastens to understand or build. He that hastens to understand or build. You know, as a former teacher and coach, you know the kids, the athletes who want to learn. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their body language. You can see it in their attitude or by the questions they ask or don't ask. You can tell who wants to grow and who wants to pursue their learning. It's the same way with Jesus. He knows how much you pursue him, how much I pursue him. He knows your heart. He knows. How much you want to learn more of him it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian forever or just started We'll never be able to learn all about Jesus. He's inexhaustible, inexhaustible. You can never read enough. You can never pray enough. You can never go to church enough. You can never have enough discussions or interactions with others. And one of the things I read, it says for the bride to have her eyes compared to the fish pools in Heshbon would have brought to the ancient Eastern mind thoughts of beauty, power, peace and a heart to understand and build. And let us just pray that you and I would have that heart that's beautiful, that we would have that spirit that's peaceful, that we just have that passion to grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of him. The word for fish pools is the Hebrew barakat, which does not refer to springs or fountains. Think of it for a minute, just a spring or a fountain, the picture that you look at. Just picture a spring or a fountain. It doesn't refer to that. This word barakat means the deep reservoirs which the springs supply. The sense here of this picture is one of steep, dill still, and deep calmness rather than just the sparkling and the shimmer of a flowing spring. There's depth to it. They say that the eyes are the gateway to the soul. Your belief, your walk, your faith, your love is not surface deep. It has a depth and substance as you grow and mature in Christ. That's why we go through Genesis to Revelation here. And when we're done in five or seven years of doing that, we do it again until the Lord tarries. And I'm sure you've read the scriptures, some of them over and over again. And you find different nuggets in them when you read the same thing again or maybe a year later. It's opened up to you. God opens up something else to you that maybe you weren't ready for the first time around. That next uh, part of that verse, by the gate of Bath-Rabim. As I said, most times fish pools were typically shallow. But near this gate of bath rebim they were deep. It was a reservoir. It was part of the city's water supply. It means the unique daughter among many. That word bath, rabbin means the unique daughter among many. These deep reservoirs supplied life-giving water for the multitudes. You've read about it. We've seen it, right, as we get into the scriptures. There's the, uh, the women used to go to these types of wells and reservoirs to get water. And they would bring it back to their house for cooking, for cleaning, for washing. It was usually assigned to the daughters, if there were any in the household, who were old enough and strong enough for such work. You can see in the scriptures, Rachel did that. Rebecca did that. The woman at the well at Suhar did that. Let us, you and me, be people who are deep, peaceful reservoirs of a life-giving spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we just want to give to others, full of compassion to the poor and ready to minister to the needs of the people. And there's a lot of people that need to be ministered to today. The last couple lines of verse 4, Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon, which looks towards Damascus. Carmel was also uh, called the nose of the mountain range. When you approached it from the north, you would see this majestic mountain, the Mount Carmel. It just stood out. It commanded attention. You know, like a nose, it filters out impurities. One of the qualities that God is developing in you is a filter keep out harmful things to take in those things that affect your mind and heart and spirit in a negative way you can sniff out trouble and troubling situations as you're following the lead of God's Holy Spirit you're equipped for the spiritual warfare that we face you're alert and you're sober because you're in God's word and you're connected to the spirit. Verse 5. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel and the hair of your head is like purple. A king is held captive by your tresses. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. And as we've gone through this study, think of something that also you wear as part of your armor. Mount Carmel is also known as the fruitful field. And what is that body armor that you wear? That's your helmet of salvation that protects your mind. The word of God washes you, cleanses you, prepares you for what's coming. And the hair of your head is like purple. A king is held captive by your tresses. You know, you're pleasant to the eyes of your king. When God looks at you, He sees someone that's beautiful. You're pleasant to his eyes. You're beautiful. You're fruitful like Mount Carmel. Your mind is full of knowledge. It's gaining more and more knowledge of the things of God and other gifts of the Holy Spirit that are being given to you, that you're using and exercising. You attract attention. You know, any husband is attracted to his bride. You attract attention. God sees you. He's attracted to you. He loves you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming For you are our glory and our joy. And that's what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. But you are God's glory and joy. You, individually, you. And you might be saying, no, no, not me. Yeah, 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 you. Your carnal mind, your carnal heart doesn't want that. But spiritually, you're a new creature in Christ. As you and I grow in our love of God, God releases more of his beauty and life to us. We begin to reflect that life and beauty with the people who we interact with. Your godliness, my godliness, individually and as a body of Christ, will increase. But understand, we're on a battlefield. And what will also increase is false religion and fake Christianity. Back in chapter 4, verses 1 to 5, there were eight characteristics listed, beginning with the bride's head. Here, he gives 10 behaviors beginning with her feet. Back at the beginning of Song of Solomon, there were foxes that were trying to spoil her relationship with her lover. There was compromise in her life. There was failure to get up when the groom was knocking. God is making us into those people who are devoted to Jesus Christ as much as he was devoted to his father. Think about that. That's what he's making us to be. You're not wasting your time here on a Wednesday night or a Sunday you're not wasting your time when you go to a woman's group or a men's group or a home fellowship or you sing worship in your car or at night. You're not wasting time. You're developing. You're at, God is making you more and more like him. And we should see that maturity that, you know, we are more like Jesus now than we were ever before. And you might say, well, I'm not there yet. Well, none of us are but you're further ahead as you stay devoted to your Lord. And notice that last verse, a king, that's our King Jesus, is just captivated by you. That's amazing. He's captivated by you. Pastor Joe showed in Revelation all the different characteristics, qualities of the different, the seven churches and god is captivated by those churches who are sold out to him that preach his word that are hungry and have a passion for him but understand he is in he's in love with you individually he's captivated by you as a person and your heart and your passion and your love for him <clears throat> verse 6 How fair and how pleasant you are, O love with your delights. Think what you delight in for a second of the things of God. See how many you can come up with in like five or ten seconds. Are you delighted in God's word? Are you delighted in prayer? Are you delighted in worship? Are you delighted in the people of God that you interact with? Are you delighted to show mercy and grace to others? Are you delighted in purity? Are you delighted in justice and discipline? Are you delighted in God's commands? Are you delighted that you fear the Lord, a healthy respect of the Lord? Are you you delighted in his ways? Are you delighted that you have a faith in Jesus? Are you delighted that you trust in him? In Psalm 16, verse 3, Psalm 16, 3, it says, As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Now, notice it didn't say, as for the saints who are in heaven. It says, as for the saints who are Who are on earth? Remember, saints is someone that's separated, put aside, set apart. You're set apart for God and God alone. Verse seven and eight. This stature of yours is like a palm tree, and your breasts like its clusters. I said, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of its branches. Let now your breasts be like clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples. Now, the palm tree, the one that grows most in Israel, is the date palm tree. And the date palm tree is big and has these clusters of um, dates. Almost looks like a a cluster of like as big as coconuts. If you look it up, it's just huge. And it's filled with dates. And you also know what a cluster of grapes looks like when you go to a vineyard and you see a cluster of grapes. All the grapes that are just in a bunch. The palm tree is a picture of victory. The palm tree is a picture of uprightness, righteousness. And when you th- look at that verse in your breast, like it's clusters, there's p- plenty. It, you're fruitful. You're nutritious. You're strengthening. You as the bride of Christ can feed others. You're fruitful because of the Holy Spirit living in you. It's not just a one-time thing. God has filled you with his Holy Spirit. And as you're plugged into that vine, we're the branches. Jesus is the vine. He nourishes us. He he gives us that life-flowing spirit that we can give to others. There's plenty to go around. There's plenty to strengthen others. In that verse where it says, I said, in verse eight, I said, I will go up to the palm tree. That's a sweet fruit. The date is a sweet fruit. The fruit and the pollen of the plant are also used as medicine. People use the juice from the date palm for coughs and breathing problems. Think about that. It's medicinal. How much, how are we medicine to other people? That we come in contact with believers and non-believers alike. I will take hold of its branches in verse eight. Also, another way to read this, I will take hold of its fruit stalk. And I thought of that verse, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Let now your breasts be like clusters of the vine. Just be that sweet fruit to others. You know, we can pray for others. We can lead others to the Lord. We can set examples for others. But a neat thing about this date palm tree is it has so many multiple functions. Not just one or two things. Its trunk furnishes timber. The mid ribs of the leaves supply material for crates and furniture. The leaflets for basketries. The leaf bases for fuel the fruit for stalks, for rope and fuel, the fiber for cords and packing material, and the seeds are sometimes grounded and used as stock feed. There's so many needs that this tree meets, more than just what is seen when you look at the top, at the dates. It's just like you and me as the believers in Jesus. We are essential in so many different ways with the things that we offer each other in the world. I'm going to finish with uh, this last thought here. Back in um, 9-11, Al Branca was 54 years old from Middletown North. He was on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center. They used to call him the Rev. And he actually prayed and led people to the Lord because they knew that that floor was not going to survive. It was above the plane wreck. Todd Beamer was an American man aboard Airlines Flight 93, which was hijacked and crashed as part of the September 11 attacks in 2001. He was one of the passengers who attempted to regain control of the aircraft from the hijackers. That famous statement, let's roll, is attributed to him. Then you have Casey Burnell. Eric Harris had asked Burnell if she believed in God. And when she responded with a yes, Harris shot and killed her in Columbine High School. As we close on this verse, let now your breasts be like clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples. I want to take one more part of the verse because actually we'll see next time the Shulamite woman actually interjects here in the second line of verse nine. But I want to finish tonight with verse nine, this part of it and the roof of your mouth like the best wine. So let's just take a look at the last part of it. Let now your breast be like clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples and the roof of your mouth like the best wine. All those people, and you can name many more throughout history that were believers in Jesus Christ before they died, how they stood for Christ, whether it be Al Branca right now or Todd Beamer or Cassie Brunell. Those people were essential. For that moment of time they were used as essential parts with the people that they were surrounded with or surrounded by. They made an impact for the kingdom of Christ in the last moments of their life. You and I, as we take God's word and hide it in our heart, Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth. What happens is God's words coming off the pages of scripture. We hide it in our heart and then we speak God's word verbally and it comes out of our mouth. That's a fragrance unlike any fragrance that attracts you and me to our Lord and Savior. He died so that we would be made and fulfilled into the image of God. He rose from the dead to show you and I that nothing matters except our relationship with him, that even death is overcome in that union between our husband, Jesus Christ, and you, the bride of Christ. And we're traveling that road to that wedding feast one day, the marriage supper of the Lamb. But God has so many things, I believe, for us to do in these days that we need to keep eating God's Word. We need to keep digesting and meditating on it and put it in our hearts. Amen.